0: Hi, this is Coach Colette. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that my goal is to have honest, candid conversations with coaches, leadership, and wellness experts that help to break down barriers to your well being. And you know that career or professional endeavors have a big part in your well being. That's why I'm excited for this episode of Coach Chat. It's my conversation with Sura Lal, who is the Chief Impact Officer at Luminary, which is a community that is focused in, on helping women to achieve their goals holistically. And she's also an Assistant Adjunct Professor at my alma mater, the Wagner Graduate School for Public Service. In this conversation, we are talking all about authentic leadership. And what I love about the conversation is that there are tips and insights and ideas for all of you people who might be looking for your next opportunity so you might be seeking a job or even seeking a new business opportunity so you're on the candidate side and we also talk also to managers and founders and leaders about how you can build community and to increase interaction among people of different backgrounds so that you create a more inclusive environment. And we also talk about what's this concept of bringing your, quote, full self to work and what that can look like and what that means, particularly for people of color or other marginalized groups. So, I hope that you are ready for a very candid, honest, and engaging conversation on authentic leadership in professional environments. Get ready and listen up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coach Chat. I am really excited for today's episode. I have with me my friend and colleague, Surabhi Lal, who is the Chief Impact Officer at Luminary, this fantastic women-focused collaborative space in New York City uh, that I've loved going to and having really great time there. And she's also an Adjunct Assistant Professor at my alma mater, NYU Wagner Graduate School for Public Service. And because of all of the work that she's done helping and coaching students and alumni in public service and social impact, today we're going to be talking about leadership and really about authentic leadership and how that shows up in our workplace. Welcome to this episode.
1: Thanks, Colette. I'm really excited to talk with you. As you know, we've had lots of overlap Um, And it feels like every time we get into a conversation, our time runs out. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens today and where our time runs out.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I know. It's that funny thought of listeners. I was saying just before we got on, we had this amazing conversation. I was like, okay, wait, save it for the show. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So, so how how did we get here? I know we've we've had a lot of overlap in terms of spaces and and uh, organizations and schools, but how did you come to be doing this work?
1: Oh, it's such a great question. So, I um, I went into college thinking that I was going to be a pediatrician, and three hundred person class in biology plus realizing that shots I don't really like needles um, made me think otherwise. And um, from there, I really reflected on what things were interesting to me. And growing up, I spent my summers in India, and it really gave me such an understanding um, in some really uh, tangible ways about inequality. I didn't have the, the language for it um, necessarily, but what I have this very vivid memory of um, is being a young kid looking at kids who looked like me, were clearly in very different um, situations than I was. They were begging on the street. Um, They clearly hadn't had a shower in a number of days. And I thought, but that could be me, because this little girl, she looked like me. You know, she was my age, and what is that like? So um, then I thought, you know, the the thing that I want to do is work in international development work. And at the same time, I got really invested in leadership and community building on campus. Um, and then when it got time to graduate, I had a choice. Uh, did I want to, wh- what, did I want to pursue? Did I want to pursue international development work or did I want to pursue, um, uh, leadership and, and really working in higher education to help, um, create communities within, within the university. And I, um, chose the latter. And so for about 20 years, I've worked in higher education, um, Around community and growth. So, if I was to pick two of the themes that that run parallel throughout my career, it is community and growth, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about both of those um, as we go through the conversation. Um, and about a year ago, I decided that um, I wanted to try building community in a different space. So, I had built community in universities for a very long time from di- different seats. Um, most recently as the Director of Career Services at NYU Wagner, and decided as Luminary opened and was building, there was such an emphasis on community. And one thing that I know how to do very well is to build community. Um, But also that Luminary has this emphasis on growth. And I thought, well, these are the two things that have tracked with me throughout my career. Um, And so I am responsible for making sure that, that what we do here isn't just about being a space. It is about how do people learn? How do people engage? How, to connect with, how do people connect with one another? Um, and then at Wagner, I teach a class on uh, leadership and management as well as a workplace effectiveness class because I think where we are going in the future of work is really around workplaces being more invested in creating communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of ways in which that needs to happen, but uh, it's been really exciting to be able to do that From the ground up. I've always liked a good challenge. Um, And it's been amazing to see the the women in our space um, and what that looks like. So if you had asked my, uh, going into my first year pediatrician self, would I be here? The answer would be no. Um, But I will say throughout my career, it's, it's been about wanting to engage with, create, and be in community with people. And then also doing that with a lens of growth and learning.
0: Wow, that's so amazing. And yeah, I had no idea that you had pediatrician goals way (laughs) back when. I think I I think that's interesting. I when I was growing up, I I first thought I wanted to be a nurse. And then my pediatrician told me, oh, be you know, be, be a doctor. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. And then I also thought I wanted to be a teacher. So interesting again how our careers map sometimes aligning to our childhood dreams and sometimes different. But I think there are so many more options, right? I mean, you've worked in career services. It seems like people have so many more options, at least from my perspective, in where they can go with their degrees or with their skills.
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, I would often get asked, does it matter what you study? And yes, of course it matters what you study, um, but it also matters the experience that you get. And so, you know, when you think about myself, the thing that really got me excited was everything I was doing outside of the classroom around building community, around leadership. Um, and that is what drove my career path. Um, and that's really different than studying agricultural economics with a focus on international development.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And so it's interesting when we think about community and is this a new phenomenon that we're talking? We're even talking about building community in the
1: workplace. So, uh, I think in the workplace, yes. But building community in general, no. I mean, people have lived in communities forever, and there's there's um, something about it. For me, the difference in a workplace is that communities have often been, you know, where your home is, where your family is. Um, workplaces have this incredible opportunity to change the dynamics around diversity and inclusion because you are hiring from, hopefully, a diverse pool and people who have very different skills and backgrounds um, and, and ages and skills, and they're coming together. And so the challenge of bringing people with really disparate um, things that often people connect on together and to create a community that feels new-ish, though I would say, you know, my bias is that colleges and universities have been trying to do this for much, much longer, and um, that, that that piece of it is a place that there's incredible opportunity um, to change the dialogue and to build alliances, allegiances, friendships among people who would have never met before, would mm-hmm. have never met, never connected, um, and, you know, that they get to learn from one another. And that's fantastic and amazing if it's done well.
0: Mm-hmm. We were talking before before we got on air today about the difference between hiring for a culture fit versus culture add. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, uh, I don't know if it's a shift or a pivot um, in, in HR or in, in, in workforce planning.
1: So I think culture fit, you know, I've definitely been in hiring processes at various places um, where it's, Oh, that person doesn't fit in the culture and, and nobody really defines what does that mean? does that culture fit really mean? What, what is really going on? Um, but I think the reason that people have moved to culture ad is because culture fit can feel so uh, easy to say, Oh, well, this person went to a different school they have a different education. They didn't go to this kind of thing. They don't, they're not going to hang out with us, um, and it is important in some ways to have a sense of culture fit. You know, office norms, um, office abilities to. Uh, have a conversation or keep up the work pace. You know, this is something that I think about a lot. You know, you could take somebody who wants to work at a really high pace and they're probably going to want to work with people who are similar in pace. And that's that's a really important piece of culture. Um, when you say, oh, they're not a fit, I think it can get coded for they don't look like me, they're not from the same school, they're not from the same gender. I really thought in my head the best person for this job was... You know, X, Y, and Z. And so I think it can perpetuate some of having the same types of people in the office. Whereas the shift to thinking about culture ad is if we are creating a community and we want it to be a diverse and robust community, I actually don't want somebody with the same exact same skill set, pedigree, background, life experience that I have. I want somebody who Bring something different, and frankly we're going to learn from each other if that's the case
0: mm-hmm. and it 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 requires more intentionality than from the organization standpoint from the hiring manager standpoint or HR standpoint to look for that you know there's always that thought of oh we couldn't find any you know fill in the blank mm-hmm. kind of people to make this more diverse so Culture ad kind of takes away that, that thought of, Oh, well we looked and yeah, well we couldn't find anyone. So we're just going to go with everyone we normally hire from this source.
1: That's right. And, and I think it also says, listen, we, we are, we are building um, this is an active and dynamic place. We're not, we're not uh, kind of having this. This is the mold we're looking for. And if you don't fit that mold, we're not interested. It's that, there are skills, there are, there are tangible things that we need in this job, but the mold could look different. And right. we welcome that. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, so there are certain skills, qualifications, uh, tasks, responsibilities assigned with the role, but what the who the person is that fills that can be across a broad spectrum. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so how, how do you think, uh, putting on your career coach hat, how does that help or does it help candidates when they're looking for new opportunities.
1: So one of the things I I often tell candidates um, when they are looking for work and are wondering, you know, this place or that place, one is for sure to do your homework. You know, talk to people who work in the organization as much as you can. I think there's such uh, good questions to ask, like, everybody you come across, actually, when you are interviewing to say... What do you like best about your job? You know, what is one of the best things about working here? I think you get a ton of information from those kinds of questions. Um, But I often tell them, you know, think about what it is that you're looking for. You know, are you okay, for example, being the only woman, the only person of color, the only man, the only whatever? Um, Is that okay with you? Because you also have to think about your own culture fit and culture ad right? And how can you bring yourself into the workplace if that's the case? And I've worked with people who say, you know what, that's, I'm happy to be the only, that's fine. I've done that. Um, I've done that all my life and I, I can do that. And other people who say, you know what, I did that and I don't want to. And so a lot of it to me is understanding yourself as well as reading the organization because you also are looking for the fit ad equation, right is this a place that I'm going to feel like I can add myself in or is it a place that's looking for me to fit a certain mold that I don't fit
0: right right so it's it's I love what you're saying there because it's about empowering the candidate to be like you're saying be self-aware and also you know I've often said also to to clients right it's you're shopping them as much as they are shopping you
1: a hundred percent. And, and I, I take a very, um, I think in a lot of my work in career development and leadership development, this idea of, you know, it's not prescriptive. I can tell you how to do your resume, uh, but I actually want to know what it is that you want to do. Because if, if I don't know what it is that you want to do and your story and you're able to tell it to me, we can't craft your strategy until I know the what and the why um because I could give you I can give you resume samples i <laughs> you know and 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 then you'll do that, but my ultimate goal in in my work is to find to make workplaces feel better and for people to evaluate workplaces that fit them better mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. so so connected to this is uh the aspect of authenticity right and so uh, we were talking also that there's there's seemingly growing debate around this bringing your full self to work uh, concept. So, I'm curious to know where, where you might stand on that.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think about this a lot. I think about this as um, someone who's an only child. Think about this as me somebody the first gen American. Um, I think about this as somebody who's often straddled two worlds growing up. Um, that for me, a lot of what I've always had is just this is who I am because there's no one else for me particularly as an only child to bounce off of. And I don't know if that's something that resonates with you, um, being an only child, you know, seeing people who have siblings who can kind of navigate things together. Um, I didn't have that, uh, which is great because it's made me incredibly independent. Um, and also given me this, this is who I am. And this is, this is what's going to happen. But, uh, So I I think that some of it is about knowing yourself, right? You can't be authentic to yourself if you don't know yourself. And that's a process of trial and error. And it changes. It isn't a, you know, one day you wake up and you say, I know myself, and you never have to think about it again. It's an ongoing process. Um, So I do think that you can be authentic at work. And I have been really lucky to work at places where that was welcome, encouraged, um, and maybe I just would have have unknowingly put anything that wasn't going to be that way out of out of contention Um, but I do think that I can be authentic in a lot of ways and so I liken it to this right I can be incredibly authentic in my pajamas I can be incredibly authentic in a cocktail dress but what I say to you in my pajamas and the way that I'm going to act with you in my pajamas is going to be really different because the people who see me in that particular setting are people who are really, really close to me. Whereas people at a cocktail party aren't maybe not that close to me. I mean, some of them maybe, but many of them are not going to be. And so you're still going to get the authentic me, but it shows up differently in different contexts. Um, so when I am at work, you get an authentic work version of myself. Um, but I'm not going to do things randomly like bust out into song and dance on a usual basis, as I might say in my pajamas. Maybe later, we'll do that. But
0: <laughs> you Darn, know. I was like, really? There's not going to be the song <laughs> portion of the
1: podcast? Wait. But, but, you know, these things, I think we all have, we all have multiple versions of our authentic self. And so, yes, I think that a workplace is where you can bring that. Um, and you also have to understand what you are comfortable with. But if you were feeling like you can't bring your authentic version of your work self to work, then that's, to me, that's where there's often a rub. Um, because we all have multiple facets of who we are, and they show up differently. And the way that you talk to somebody who's known you for 20 years might be different than the way that you talk to somebody you've known for 20 minutes. You're still yourself.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I love the I love the context component of, of what you're describing. I think the challenge, in some ways, I guess, for people of color or, or other marginalized groups, right, is that then what are the external perceptions of me being my authentic self at work, and it mean and not necessarily showing up at work in my pajamas, but um, I mean from everything as simple putting air quotes as hair to to dress other than pajamas and and demeanor or other things so i think it's that's where i think it gets to be a little bit more complex i love the sort of yes there's a difference between a friend of 20 years and a colleague that you've known for six months yet there's also this level of how is the organization creating a a safe and inclusive. Environment enough where people can bring their authentic professional selves to work.
1: Absolutely, and I, I think you know you, you brought up hair, and I, I don't think that's inconsequential at all. In the mm-hmm. last week, there was a um, there was a, a child in New Jersey whose whose classmates cut dreadlocks, right? And we have had laws passed in New York and in California around on hair in the workplace. Um, there are people who are harassed for the fact that they cover their hair. Um, so I don't think that's inconsequential at all. And that that is about the environment. And is the environment one where people are not, asking those questions or if they are asking it's because somebody has a relationship with somebody that they can really ask a genuine question and that's welcome by the person who's getting the question asked to them um but but this is actually you know when I when I worked a lot with job seekers I would get this question as well you know what about my hair should I put it in braids should I wear my hair natural um, should I cover my hair? What about my tattoos? What about my piercings? So all of these things that have, um, people have opinions about, right, that have nothing to do with your skill, your talent, the work that you're going to produce for the company uh, or for the employer. And what I would always say is if that's not the way that – I want you to go in being your best self right? And so um, if you don't feel like that's welcome there, is that really a place that you want to work, right? Mm-hmm. That is a data point. And some people might say, you know what, I can do it and I can do it for a little bit. I say, great. Other people be like, you know what, I never thought about it that way. You're right. Maybe I don't want to work there. Um, I think about this in terms of dress, right? Particularly when we work with um, people in the trans community and, and how do you dress and, and that sort of thing, think about it in terms of uh, somebody who wears dress from their country, Um, so their country of origin, which doesn't look like a business suit but is perfectly professional dress. Um, And so that's always my question, which is, are you okay? Are you okay with that? And my challenge to to organizations and employers is, how do you create an environment where that isn't going to be something that comes up, or is better, is welcome, um, and is part of just who that person is and how they show up in the workplace.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, so it's, again, the choice that, that candidates have in terms of selecting their next employer and then the responsibility of managers and executives and owners to really be looking at this in a, in a thoughtful way.
1: That's right. It's a both and, right? We need to push on the, on the community at work and what does that look like as well as be thoughtful about our own choices and listen to our own intuition and um, messages that sometimes we don't want to listen to because we know that it shouldn't be that way or you really wish it was something else. But, but we're getting information all the time and so I think being in touch with that is important.
0: Hey, it's Coach Colette. What do you think of the episode so far? What are your main takeaways? Before we jump into the next segment, I have a question for you. What's at stake for your health if you continue living your current routine? The thing is, we get so used to doing things in the same ways. We're actually more afraid to make changes than we are to live out our worn-out routines, even if they are causing us to feel ill, stressed, or overwhelmed. Can you imagine what it would be like to wake up in the morning and not have it hurt when you get out of a bed and to feel excited about your day? It is possible when you start within, and I'd like to help you to do it. You can visit my website, startwithincoaching.com, and at the top, click Start Here to schedule your complimentary activation call. We can talk about what's going on in your life right now, how you are in your health, and where you would like to be. So go to startwithincoaching.com and click Start Here to start your journey within. what are your thoughts or advice for leaders around authenticity and intention as they are leading teams or, you know, creating new organizations?
1: Yeah. So I think I was saying earlier, I teach a class of management leadership and management is something that is really important to me. Um, Good management is really important and also really hard. Um, it's hard because you need to know yourself. It's hard because you have to hold space for people and it's hard because you have to slow yourself down. So your initial reaction to something, you actually have to hold for a little bit and create a space where other people can give their reactions. Um, And I think that's really antithetical to a lot of the ways in which we show up in the world. So um, there's something called the ladder of inference, which is all about slowing yourself down um, and, Not being able to jump to a conclusion, but really to walk yourself back. And so how do you do that? Um, To me, that's a critical piece of management um, and being able to hold that, right? So that's holding space for yourself to give yourself space to think. I think managers, particularly supervisors, need to hold space for their team um, so that their team can feel safe. feel safe. And there's a lot of research around, you know, the best teams have high degrees of psychological safety, which allow for high amounts of creative abrasion, which is the ability to um, wrestle over an issue, a topic, a product, whatever your, a service, whatever your business is um, in the service of getting the best product out the door not at the expense of hurting other people on the team. And you cannot, to have both of those, You to, to have high creative abrasion um, and do it well, you also need to have a high degree of psychological safety. Um, and so that means creating that community or creating that space. And, and I think managers are, are tasked with the really difficult thing of holding that space. Um, so how do managers bring their own authenticity when they have to do that? You know, is, difficult I think I think a lot of it comes down to knowing yourself um, and being aware so being aware of yourself to say here are the things and and maybe really transparently to a team right here are the things that I'm really good at and here's some of my blind spots so I'm asking you and I'm inviting you to check me on my blind spots and see what kind of community that brings and what kind of trust that builds within a team Um, so I think a, a lot of it's starts with being understanding of where your own blind spots are. Um, And you said, you know, how do people – you said something about intent, and it makes me think around intent and impact, right? And so we could all have the best intentions in the world. And um, so we'll we'll start with something relatively benign, which we were talking about earlier, uh, which is, you know, we're on a video call, and I saw you, and I said, oh, I didn't know you had glasses. Um, And my intent was really – curious, right? And you might've been thinking, oh, I hate my glasses and I, I wish you didn't see me in them. And the impact on you was not my curiosity, right? So a totally benign example, but thinking about our intent often might be really good hearted, but how it lands on somebody else, regardless of your intent, if the impact of that is hurtful, we need to understand what that looks like.
0: Mm, Yeah. There were so many goodies in there uh, to, to unpack. I, what I, what came up for me as you were speaking was vulnerability Mm. and that, you know, that suggestion of, Oh, going to your team and saying, Hey, you know, these are the things that I'm great at. And these are the things that I can use help with, right. That takes a lot of vulnerability to be able to not only be self-aware but to also be willing to share that with your team.
1: For sure, for sure, right? I mean, I don't believe that any of us are odds that we have all the answers. Um, and it does take a team and it takes a community and it takes multiple people around you. I mean, that's why, you know, businesses hire Someone who understands numbers, somebody who understands legal, somebody who's really creative, somebody who understands product, because we can't do it all ourselves.
0: Right, right. And then that second component about uh, the intent versus impact—fantastic. Uh, We've had other shows uh, speaking about microaggressions, and I think that that really plays into that. And there's a vul- there's a sense of vulnerability with that as well, right? Not being so firm on well, I. I didn't intend to offend you, right? And sticking right. with that, but also being receptive to, oh, wow, okay, when I said that, the other person did take some offense or it did it did hurt, even though that wasn't what I was trying to do.
1: Yeah, for sure, right? That, I think that, that when I learned that, it was such an eye-opening thing to me, this idea of intent and impact, because We often think, oh, my goodness, I didn't mean it. But then we don't have language to talk about it, and it only makes a person who felt particularly a negative impact feel worse. Right? Oh, I didn't mean it that way. You shouldn't take it that way. Well, that isn't recognizing the fact that that person actually had impact, that there was something hurtful for that person.
0: Right, right. You're basically invalidating that that person's feelings at that point. Like you, yeah, know, you exactly. shouldn't do that because that's not what I meant. It Has exactly. nothing to do with what actually happened. Exactly. Uh, well, I guess it's a great thing that you're 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 uh, an expert on impact since that's in your title. <laughs> so, so what is that a chief impact officer for Luminary? Is that what does that entail? So,
1: you know, we are building something that is a little bit. Different than a co-working space, um, so there's lots of co-working spaces. People have an understanding of what that is. We are looking at, um, we are looking at the. Um, we're really thinking about how do we become more than just a pretty space, right? And how do we, um, how do we impact our members? How do we impact conversations about women? Um, and how do we really help women move to the next thing that they're looking for? So how do we provide them with skills, networks, opportunities um, that they may not have had so that could be in the form of a um, pitch competition, it could be in the form of a workshop. it could be in the form of so many things
0: mm-hmm. right and i and I love that because there 's intent behind that as well, this sense of creating community. And I think, uh, do you see challenges in building community amongst disparate organizations, if you will, because, you know, not all of your members are obviously from one organization. So what we've been talking about before was, okay, within a company, you're creating a community, you all work for the same company, presumably, you're all working for the same, you know, goals for that company. But when you're, Talking about Luminary, right? They're members from different organizations. So, how is it then that you are building community across those different members?
1: Yeah, such a good question. And I I actually think it's our strength, right? I am thrilled that we have members from all backgrounds, all industries, um, ages, ethnicities, races. You know, for me, that is the strength of the community. Um, And it's really interesting to see the collaborations that happen. Um, so a couple of ways in which, which I think we do that here. One is that our programs, um, particularly our skill building workshops are small. So they are often um, less than 15 people. And so, and they're interactive. And so that's a way that people get to know each other. So for example, I, I do a crafter professional story workshop every couple of months. I keep it intentionally small. And the stories that people share, whether you are working in a large um, company somewhere or you're an entrepreneur or you're stepped out of the workplace and you're just starting up your own company, um, they're really real, the stories that come out. And people find a way to connect based on their stories. And so I think that is really one of the powers of community. I think it's one of the powers of building community through learning. Um, I also think another way in which that happens is that the team here is really, really committed to helping people, introduce people to each other. Um, and it seems like a really small thing for me to say, hey, Colette, have you met this person? Um, meet Colette. and and then, you know, I can do that two minute introduction and then the two of you might talk for two minutes or 20 minutes, but that entry point is already a connection, right? That you didn't have to do it on your own. And I do think everybody should learn how to introduce themselves. It's something that I make a lot of my classes do. And in fact, I think a lot of them um, really bemoan the fact that I have them turn to the person next to them, shake their hand and introduce themselves. Um, but it's something that I think is comes easy to some people and harder to others. And the ability to say, hey, have you met this person? You met this person? That's an invitation. That's an invitation to a conversation. And part of building community is to be invited and to continue those invitations among the people that we know.
0: Mm-hmm. And and then there's also the opportunity with the smaller groups to form more bonds because maybe back to authenticity, right? I'm sharing my authentic self or I'm sharing my authentic challenges because I know that that, uh, for me as a founder, that can be a challenge for me is to find where are those safe spaces where I can, you know, take off the Cape, if you will, and, right. and bring my, bring my full self or my authentic self to the conversation.
1: A hundred percent. And I think the members here, you know, I've seen incredible Uh, cooperation and ability for people to say, oh, you're doing this, that's so great. Let me see how I can help you. Um, So I also think that we have these incredible members of our community who want to help each other. Um, And so in many ways, I think, wouldn't it be great if our whole world operated in a, hey, I want to help you, right? How can I help you? What can I do? Um, I've seen people who are running very similar lines of business Say all right. Well, how can we work together? And so this idea of collaborating versus competing with one another seems to permeate the space, um, which really does speak, I think, volumes to the community here. Mm-hmm.
0: Got it. Um, a, a lot of what you've been talking about is uh, for leaders, candidates, managers has been self awareness. So I'm curious, how how do you take care of yourself? How do you nurture your well being? <laughs>
1: uh, good question and it's a question that I think I should do probably more of um but but so one thing that I do which is is um really important to me is that that I hug the two people I live with every day um and it is it seems very trite it actually does not take a lot of time but it is really really important right it's the 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 time that I take to do that. And I do that without a device in my hand and without like trying to like look at the text that's coming in at the same time I'm doing it, but to really be present. Um, I like to cook. So I do a lot of, uh, well, not as much as I would like to, but cooking. So at least um, at least on the weekend to cook one good meal from scratch uh, is something that I really, really enjoy. And, and when I'm with my son, I spend a lot of time um, trying to be with him. So whether that is playing or doing something or reading, um, again, trying to be device-free, some days easier than others. Um, but then, yeah, cooking. Uh, on my really good days, and this is a good time of year, I try to either walk one to one stop uh, further on the subway or get off one stop before. And so just to be able to walk even that seven to 10 blocks um, makes, clears your head for a little bit. I find that to be a really, really relaxing thing.
0: Right. Yeah. And in New York city, then there's usually the dodgeball aspect of it too, (laughs) right? Like trying not to bump into people who are looking at their phones and not being
1: present. That's right. For sure.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. And, and it is, I love the, the, present and mindful nature of what you shared in terms of right when you're with someone you are with that person not doing something else which again seems quote air quote simple right and yet can be challenging to do yes yes
1: and and some days I get it right and other days I have room for improvement you know Mm -hmm. I am not a hundred percent put my phone away all the time um but that is my goal, and I would say, you know, I, I mostly get it right. But mm-hmm. there are days that I get it very wrong. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And again, self-awareness and 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 authenticity, which which we definitely appreciate. So connected to that, the question that I ask all of my guests is what does start within mean to you?
1: Um so Again, I've talked so much about self-awareness. I think it's so important to know who you are, and I think that's a always evolving process. Um, as I was just saying, some days I get it right, some days I get it wrong. I'm always thinking about um, really what are those things that I know about myself and how can I claim the ones that I really think that I do well and share them with other people, and what are some of the things that maybe um, – are ones that I want to think about or I think want to think about how I show up or how I work or how I, um, you know, what is my reaction to something. So I, I think a lot of the starting from within is knowing yourself um, and knowing yourself. I think for me, for somebody who spent so much time talking with people about careers, people who are happier in their work are people who have a value alignment. They have uh, a skill alignment. They have an organizational alignment to what they're going to do, and so understanding for yourself what those are um, is really important. And then for me, it's you know, am I living my values? I think that that's really important to me. Um, so starting from within is is really around, am I am I living out my values?
0: Mm, that's great, right? And and so so for example, when you're speaking with your Clients, there's it sounds similar to what you're sharing with them, have inviting them to make choices that are more aligned with their goals and and their values and, and and it feels like you're empowering them to make that choice according to that.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's, I want to draw it out of people, right? So I want to draw it out of people. I want to hold the space for that to be okay. Uh, and actually not, not just to be okay, to be amazing, to own who you are. Um, and I, I think for me, a lot of that is grounded in being your authentic self and then creating communities and belonging. And I think a lot of that comes with understanding, um, understanding systems of power, understanding systems of privilege, understanding what those, uh, how those play out in the workplace, um, because that's part of, part of the story as well.
0: Right. I think, wow, that's, that's so deep. I feel like now, now we've got a pin. There's another episode right there. <laughs> <laughs> I told you listeners, there we go. Uh, that's, that's amazing because there, there, there is then that rub, right. Of, of my authentic self and, does the power structure appreciate or accept that that's right that's right great so so how how can people learn more about you the work that you do how can they learn more about luminary and the community that you are building there
1: um so luminary is you know we can you can find all of it online um if you're in New York City or in the New York City area, um, you can book a tour and come see us. We also have events, some are public, some are for members only, and those are on the Eventbrite page. So Luminary, um, New York City, and you can find us fairly easily. Um, I teach at NYU Wagner, so if you're, if you're a NYU Wagner student current or soon to be, um, you know, I, I uh, am definitely very, very, much of um, a part of that community um, and it means a lot to me and then um, I have a website with random musings and things that I've done which is www.servehewell.com which hopefully will be on your website so that uh, or on the podcast so that people can spell it and find it.
0: (laughs) That's amazing that's amazing Um, and I've seen some of your Twitter posts around food and your your cooking so yes and so
1: that's at dance in Kitchen. I love that
0: dancing kitchen. I have this vision now of you like cooking and dancing in your <laughs> kitchen. I love it. Yes. Ah, uh, well, I'm so glad that we that we made the time to have this conversation, and I definitely want to uh, continue this uh, for for another episode. I think there are lots of things that we can continue chatting about the workplace and the future of work.
1: Great, and thank you. I'm so excited to, you know, we've known each other for kind of randomly been meeting for for the last three or four years. And I feel like in the last few weeks, it's been more and more and there's a lot of alignment. So thank you. Um, and looking forward to more conversations soon.
0: Absolutely. Fantastic. My pleasure. And so that's all for this episode of Coach Chat. Until then, this is Coach Colette helping you to start within to finish strong.